0: The Christian world needs more spirit-filled teaching. So often we have fiery preaching without substance or doctrine without life. But we seek to join the two. We seek to bring theology on fire. This is Andrew Wilkes. This is Leo Wilkes. And this is Theology on Fire. Hey everyone, this is Andrew. I hope that all of you are doing well wherever you find yourselves today. I pray that your times with the Lord and the Word and in prayer have been sweet. I pray that His songs, His hymns have been in your heart, and I pray that your worship has been on fire. Um, I know that life could be very difficult, but want to encourage you just to draw near to the Lord, and He said He would draw near to us. And in today's episode, um, we're going to be talking about Halloween. This is a big question. Now, maybe where you are you don't really celebrate Halloween. I live in the United States and Leah, of course, is from Scotland. And she also lived in Northern Ireland for about four years. And I know that Halloween is celebrated in these three locations, but maybe you're one of our listeners from Argentina. I'm not really sure what y'all do down there. And perhaps you are someone from Latin America. And I'm not 100% what you do there either, so I'm just going to talk about Halloween then from um, a Western European, specifically British, and American perspective, but I do think that what we talk about today is going to be applicable no matter where you are. So Halloween is a time of jack-o'-lanterns. You may call them something else. Uh, Those are carved pumpkins with scary faces, or ghosts, goblins, or sweets, or sweets, Lots of sweets, um, parties, maybe little children saying trick or treat in your neighborhood. Speaking of sweets, one fourth of all sweets in the USA sold in the year are sold around Halloween. So that is a lot of business for dentists. I'm telling you right there, probably a couple months afterwards, dentists are having a major boom financially. So um, should Christians actually associate themselves with Halloween? That's really the ultimate question here. What do we think? Now, before you answer that, maybe you've already had an answer come to your mind, I want you to pause, and I want you to pray, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the Lord to speak to us, because I think you probably have an immediate answer, and uh, perhaps it's, I don't know, but we're going to pray, Father, I just ask you to open our hearts. I pray you would help us to hear. I pray you'd help us to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and that you would bless this time. Amen. So, why did I do that? Because you know, I think a lot of us in our modern cultures, especially social media, we put a premium on the speed of the speech. How fast can I get out a response? And things like this, we need to recover the lost art of thinking, the lost art of actually hearing all the story. So, I want to talk about the history of Halloween, I want to talk about modern day Halloween, I want to talk about Um, a lot of other details. And then I want to talk about ultimately the responses that I see generally to this holiday of Halloween. So Halloween, what is the history of it? This is very basic. You could find it online yourself. Uh, The word is actually Samhain. That's where this holiday comes from. That was a Celtic festival and it marked the end of harvest and the beginning of the cold winter season. So it was darker. um, It was a lot colder more people got sick during this time, it was the end of the harvest season, you were bringing in all of your crop, and the origins are actually from the land of Ireland and Scotland. And the belief was that during this time, one of the beliefs, that that veil between earth and the netherworld was the thinnest. The veil between us, the living, and the spirits or the dead was the thinnest during this time, and that this would actually allow spirit beings like fairies or even uh, malicious spirits, evil spirits, to cross over. And it was a time also when the souls of the departed would wander the earth. So, a lot of people feared those spirits. Some would even sacrifice animals to the gods. They left food offerings um, so that they would not be harmed by the bad spirits. A lot of bonfires were lit and interestingly enough, they would actually put out their old fires and they would take some of the embers from the fire in the community on the hills and they would start a new fresh fire for that new year. And it was also another interesting thing was it was a time of divination, a time of trying to discern, figure out by spiritual means the future to divine this. So who you're going to marry, how many babies you're going to have, something like apple peels, and you'd peel an apple, and you could throw it over your shoulder, and whatever letter it looked like, that was going to be the letter of the person you are going to marry. Some have actually said that human sacrifices occurred during this time, and from what I've read... There's really not enough historical evidence to say that with certainty. There may have been some human sacrifices going on by that people group a long time ago, but there is not really truly a tight connection from what I have seen. So if you've seen something different, you can send that over to me. You can find our contact information on our webpage, theologyonfire.org, but otherwise, there really is not a lot of information about that. So I'm not going to focus on that right there. However, the rest of the details and the evidence... That is enough to show us that the origins are indeed pagan. And pagan simply meaning meaning um, non-Christian, non-biblical. So it is pagan. It comes from a pagan people. And the people would wear costumes during this time, Samhain, and they would hide their identities because they're trying to hide their identities from the spirits. And sometimes some of the people who are actually wearing uh, these outfits would go door to door. They would knock on the doors and they would seek food. And they would threaten mischief if they weren't given the food. So that's the trick or the treat, right? If you don't give me something, I'm going to cause issues with you. So that's really the origin of that from what I've seen. And uh, also jack-o'-lanterns or carved pumpkins were used to ward off evil spirits by looking scary themselves. And Leah actually told me that uh, over in Ireland, they actually used to carve out turnips, which I thought was pretty interesting because we don't have turnips where I'm from here in the south of the United States, but it sounds like there are a lot over there in the Isles around Britain. So that is the history of Halloween, and maybe you know all of that, but we're just kind of setting a base level understanding here for where it came from because I want to jump into Modern day Halloween. That's what its roots were. And a lot of people, when they think of Halloween, will say, well, it's pagan roots and we can't celebrate it because it was like this a thousand years ago. But what is the connection between how it started and what is celebrated today? As a believer, I think that's really probably most important. Not so much the beginnings, though that is important but how has that carried over today into our daily life? So we're going to check that out now. So how did this trick-or-treating, this Halloween, the Samhain actually get to America? It came over in the 1800s in a big way because there was a potato famine in Ireland. So a lot of the Irish people immigrated to the United States seeking better fortunes, um, easier life, and they brought their traditions with them. And over time, it began to change so that there were actually so many pranks being committed, not, uh, not so much there in the 1800s, but as we move forward to the early 20th century, the early 1900s, where cities and police, they, there was so much theft there that these groups, these authorities were starting to say, look, we need to change this up. So they started to brand Halloween as a family holiday, something more for children. Um, They still kept the words trick or treat, so it kind of shows again where it came from. But now it's really changed, and it's a major holiday. Stores are filled with costumes and candy almost as soon as our school terms start here in the United States. Uh, Right alongside or right after the paper and the pencils are on the shelves or taken off the shelves, you've got your scream costumes and your pumpkins and things like this. So costumes, you got little children dressed as princesses boys, superheroes, you know, that's that's actually pretty innocent. It could be fun to, to really dress up, I think. Um, I mean, everyone likes to look like their favorite superhero or a really strong person or a beautiful little princess whenever you're a young person. But a quick search in Google for Halloween costumes, if you're a man, you're going to want to turn your head very quickly and close that out because really what you're going to see is a bunch of sexually charged costumes, something very sexy for women. And uh, that's no mistake because Google will return results for people selling things, right? And people are paying big money to have that sort of an outfit to come up first in a search engine. So what does that tell us? It tells us that a lot of the money made is going to be for women to dress in a way that is extremely provocative to men they're going to be putting their bodies out there to be lusted after. Now, not every costume is of a sexual nature. A lot of them are actually demonic. You've got your demon-possessed nuns, you've got your murderers, like Jason, that's something I grew up with, uh, you know, watching those movies when I was <laughs> probably shouldn't have been. Um, victims of death, uh, departed spirits, things like that. Um, Parties. we got lots of parties. It's a night for drunkenness. It's a a night for partying, at least it was for me um, during my high school or secondary school in my first year in college before I came to know the Lord. You know, it was a night where men and women wanted to hook up because, again, those women are wearing sexy costumes and the men are lusting after them. And you've got drink involved and you can just put that together right there. But it's also a night to act crazy, play tricks on other people, scare them, roll houses. And if you don't know what rolling houses is, if you've never heard that term, you take toilet paper and you go into the trees and then you just throw it up there in the tree and you're trying to wrap it all around and it creates a huge mess. And uh, suffice to say, I did engage in this activity uh, back in high school, (laughs) better or worse, um, a time to pull pranks and be crazy and things like that. And uh, so speaking about all this, this is kind of mischievous behavior. There was actually a CBS News article, and I'm going to read it now. This is what it says, part of it here. It's bad enough if your garden gnome gets launched through your plate glass window, but communities and police also worry about some really scary people. One New Jersey radio station names local sex offenders on its website. In Atlanta, police have knocked on the doors of all known felons to ensure they aren't participating in the festivities. One university professor believes Halloween brings out the Freddy Kruegers of the world possibly because of its association with paranormal psychology and urban legends. The evening violent crime count on October 31st is about 50% higher than any other date during the year and about twice the daily average, said Northeastern University professor James Allen Fox. Even if you don't worry about black cats or creatures that lurk in the shadows, it still makes sense to take precautions. Here's some tips from insurers on how to protect your property. So even insurance companies are saying that on Halloween night, you should protect your property. Now, why would an insurance company do that? It's because they're going to lose money whenever homeowners, property owners, file claims for damage, stolen, missing property. So even they're saying it's not great. They say don't leave your home home unoccupied, leave lights and a TV on, ask neighbors to keep a watch, watch, keep, keep it well lit so kids don't trip keep your pets indoors, different things like this, park your cars in garage, and even set up a neighborhood watch or uh, call it a witch watch, groups of volunteers who guard the community. So just building facts here, we're making observations. The whole swath here, historically, modern, what goes on. And now I'd actually like to read how some modern satanic groups feel about Halloween. So two of them, the Church of Satan, as well as as the Satanic Temple. And the Church of Satan has this statement on their website. It says, is Halloween important to Satanists? We see this holiday as the night when mundane folk try to reach down inside and touch the, quote, darkness, end quote, which for Satanists is a daily mode of existence. Particularly in the United States, Halloween is a time for celebrating monster films, wearing costumes of a macabre nature, and evoking the thrill of quote fun fear, end quote. Children of all ages can indulge their fantasies by donning costumes that allow for intense role playing and the release of their quote demonic cores, end quote, the parts of their personalities often hidden from their friends, coworkers, and families. Though there are traditions making this an occasion for recalling the dead, it has been popularized as a time to play with what historically were fears directed toward what were thought to be unquiet spirits of the departed. And the grand traditional question, quote, trick-or-treat, quote, has become a means for fulfilling an indulgence in sweets without the need to resort to the optional coercion. Satanists embrace what this holiday has become and do not feel the need to be tied to ancient practices. This night, we smile at the amateur explorers of their own inner darkness, for we know that they enjoy their brief dip into the pool of the, quote, shadow world, end quote. We encourage their tenebrous fantasies, the candid indulgence, and the wide-ranging evocation of our aesthetics, speaking of, you know, the outward appearance of Satanists, while tolerating some of the chintzy versions, even if it is but once a year. For the rest of the time, when those not of our meta tribe shake their heads and wonder at us, we can point out that they may find some understanding by examining their own All Hallows Eve doings. But we generally find it simpler to just say, Think of the Adams family, and you'll begin to see what we're about. So, what they said right there was, We love that people are dabbling in the demonic side, their inner demons, things about them that others don't know, and that this is their chance to really start to see what being a Satanist is like. And if people start to wonder what a Satanist is like, look at your own behavior on Halloween and realize that's how we get to live. That's how we choose to live all year long. So that was the Church of Satan, Um, the Satanic Temple. This is from their website. Uh, Speaking of Halloween, it is a holiday to celebrate indulgence and embracing the darkness and its aesthetic. Halloween is consistently described as evil, demonic and satanic by those steeped in religious dogma. Costumes, candy, and facing fears are to be embraced. So that's a lot of information. Maybe right now you're ready to run for the hills. Maybe right now you're just thinking, okay, Andrew, this is extreme. Um, You've pulled out all the negatives and it's just a bunch of fun. Come on, man, really loosen up. It's not like that. Well, we're making observations here. Remember, I've not really said a whole lot, but for most of this, I've just given you history, I've given you secular articles, and I've given you things from satanic groups and how they feel about Halloween. So, let's look at four general responses from Christians. And these are generalizations. You may not fall into one of these categories, but generally speaking, I think you're going to be somewhere in these. So, please allow the broad brush strokes. And um, let's just dive in here, and I want you to listen to each one carefully, and let's really examine them. And maybe you will not fully agree with my uh, examination, and that's fine. I just want to talk about these things with you. So number one, someone may say, I'm going to partake in these festivities. There's nothing wrong with it. Look, while the, while the roots are pagan, and uh, the current recognition, it's not really pagan. It's just a fun time. It's, it's a time for the kids. Everyone's doing it. i hate for them to miss out. Well, I would just say this. Halloween's roots are pagan. Got it. You know, that's a long time ago. But the current recognition of the day is at best pagan, but clearly and obviously at worst, it's demonic. Okay, how do I know this? Well, murder movies. They make a lot of money around this time. Uh, if you've got murder movie festivals during this time, they really promote demonic movies, possession, horrible, horribly violent films during this time. Why is that? Why is that? It's not just a past thing. It's a current thing. It's how it's being promoted today. Drunken parties, Ouija boards, trying to communicate with the dead or conjure up Bloody Mary or some other ghosts on this special night. So it's fear-inducing. Why would I want to be afraid? That doesn't glorify Jesus. I'm speaking to Christians here. If you're lost, well, I mean, you're a worldling. You embrace the world. But as a believer, we sing songs like, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Why would I want to give myself to fear? That's part of it. That doesn't glorify Jesus. He came to set men free from fear. So as a disciple of Jesus, I don't want to give myself back to something he delivered me from. We're told in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and of self-control. As I spoke about earlier, it's very lust-inducing. You don't have to look far on Halloween. Women really take this opportunity to dress in a certain way. Not all women, but but many do. Matthew five twenty-seven to 28, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her and his heart. We're warned in 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. We're supposed to run like Joseph in Genesis. He ran from Potiphar's wife. He ran because lust is a powerful, powerful temptation, and it will lead to sin even worse sin than lust already is. So if there's that hint of that, we're supposed to just show the back of your shoes and get away as quickly as possible. Drunkenness, Ephesians 5.18 says, and do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. All these things that are being promoted are things that the Bible speaks clearly against, and they're in the modern day reveling of this holiday. So the communication with evil spirits, that's strictly forbidden to communicate with spirit beings, any spirit beings, whether it be the dead or any being apart from God. In the Old and the New Testament, that's called idolatry or witchcraft. And here's the thing, Satan tempts to sin, and he will most certainly promote all the activities that lead to more sin. Now, an argument that I was thinking of, and maybe you've heard, or maybe you hold this is, but look, Andrew, look, this is a holiday. And it's that this holiday is actually more neutral. It's not sinful in itself, but what you're talking about are the acts of sinful people. In other words, this argument would say, aren't all holidays neutral, but it's how people celebrate them that's not neutral. That might be negative. Well, that might be true for a birthday or Independence Day, but it's certainly not true of Halloween. The problem with Halloween is that it's not just a holiday that people turn into a sinful time. It's that sin and demonic activity and sexual activity and drunkenness is at the heart of what is celebrated. It is, in fact, what is being celebrated. That's the point. Even in the modern version, it's this sinfulness that is being promoted in itself. Children are impressionable. And look, you know, while innocent now as a child wearing Superman outfit— this continual celebration, unabashedly, unashamedly, without reserve, it's going to transform into a more adult celebration as they grow older. And that's just not something I'm willing to try with my children. Number two, a uh, second reaction could be what <laughs> what in America we call trunk or treat. So instead of trick or treat, it's a trunk or treat. Or uh, as one friend said, it, it was called Hallelujah Night instead of hallo- Halloween or Hallelujah. So many churches will do this. Um, They don't want their children to be left out. They want to offer a fun alternative, something clean, you know, come into the gymnasium. We're going to have fun. You can dress up. No drinking here. No uh, sexually provocative outfits here. No violence. No scary things like that. Because clearly the rest of their friends, they're having a really good time. And we don't want our kids to feel left out. We want to provide a fun alternative. Now, I'm going to give my personal opinion and you do not have to agree with me. But personally, I'm not super keen on this because I feel like it's flirting with the actual celebration of that holiday. And I'm really wondering if maybe, perhaps a better option would be not to partake on the same night, a night that is celebrating darkness and sin. And uh, maybe this could actually be a really good tool for discipleship for our young people to say why we don't celebrate it like the world and what goes on. Now look, you can have a party this night. This is great, but it's just... You're basically celebrating it on the same night. In my personal opinion, uh, not my favorite. So I would say this though, dressing up is really a lot of fun. Make another time of the year to dress up. Make a couple of times a year to dress up. Maybe their birthday, there's nothing wrong with dressing up for fun. You know, it just matters why are you dressing up? What is prompting it? And personally, I don't think a pagan holiday that celebrates this sinfulness is a good reason for me to put on this other clothing. I don't think that that should be the prompt for me. Okay, number three, turn off the lights. Now, this is another reaction because people are going to come knock on your door, and so we're just going to turn off our lights here. Here's something I want you to hear, please. And I'm speaking straight about all this, but I hope that you're not just hiding from people because you think there's some wicked sinners and you can't stand them like these sinful people. Oh, just turn it off. These sinners are going to come knock on my door. I really, I'm just going to trust that's not your attitude. I'm going to trust that you actually care about people, that you actually have the nature of Christ within you, because that's what being a Christian is about. A disciple of of Christ is actually about. There's no good in that, and I hope you're also not hiding them because you're scared of this night. There is no room for fear. I don't need to give myself to fear watching scary movies, but I'm also not going to be afraid of demonic forces. Christ rose from the dead. He defeated sin on the cross. He has all power in his hands. Why would I dare be scared of a demonic spirit? I tell it to go in Jesus' name. It's supposed to flee. So that's not why we turn off our lights. Maybe maybe you're like me and you have young, impressionable children. And uh, quite frankly, I don't want my kids seeing scary costumes. My eldest son, Ezra, he's he is very open to the spiritual. Very open, whether it's uh, something that would be tempting in secular music. Maybe he hears in another vehicle, someone's dropping a beat in their car. He is just pulled to it. But in the same way, he's also pulled to spiritual things of the Lord. And I can see there's a great openness there. He is also easily frightened. And I don't want him getting some image in his head that he can't get out. So maybe you'd find a that's a time to visit friends or good family time, or maybe even want to binge watch some good movies, not scary movies. But the the point is, I'm not shutting people out because I hate them. I'm not, you're not supposed to shut unbelievers out and point the finger and wag the head at them. You know, you, you shouldn't feel good about yourself for not celebrating Halloween on November 1st. When you go out to your neighborhood and you see the rest of your neighbors going to work or they're walking around the walking track or walking around the neighborhood, whatever, you better not feel self-worth because you didn't celebrate that, okay? Your worth is in Jesus. Well, that's going to come out anyway, right? There, There's nothing you should even boast about. And again, I'm sure you don't feel that way, but I want to address a self-righteousness that could possibly creep into people's hearts. We are different from the world. It's not because we're better. It's because we're redeemed. It's because we're born again. It's because we're changed. So if this is in your mind, this is in your conscience, you don't want to, you don't want to, entertain people at the door. That's that's fine. That's your decision, but let it be for the right reason. Let it be for the right reason. I want to introduce a fourth opportunity or a fourth perspective here, and it's one of evangelism. Uh, this is actually promoted by a lot of ministries. October 31st, here in the United States, is actually National Evangelism Day. So what is evangelism? Again, it's proclaiming the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died for the sins of men, that all men have done. Whatever that sin is, we have committed it, and we are sinners against God, But Christ came, died on the cross, was risen from the dead, and now we can believe on Him, confess Him as Lord, and we can be saved from our sins, be put in a right relationship with God. And that message that has transformed Christians' lives is one that we are told and earnestly desire to share with people. We want to tell people about how they can be made right with God and have their sins forgiven forever and ever. Praise God. So we're always looking for people to talk to, and guess what? Strangers are coming to your very door, and while you're trying to convince someone maybe to take a gospel tract on the street and they don't want it, on this night, Halloween night, people are coming to your door expecting to receive something from you. So you can go to ministries like livingwaters.com or maybe your favorite tract producer. And I just want to suggest, as an option, why don't you buy some candy? and bring some gospel tracks. And why don't you, as people come to your door, you don't have to like their costumes any more than you like the way some women dress when you're going to do street ministry. But that doesn't stop you from witnessing to people, right? We don't have to say, "Oh wow, you look like a murderer. I'm so happy about this." Instead, you could say, "Oh wow, you sure look scary tonight. Here's some uh chocolate. Oh, look, here's a fake million dollar bill with a with a good message on the back. Have a safe night." I mean, you can say something like that if your conscience would permit it. Now, if this is going to wound your conscience, if you think that this is taking part in an evil pagan holiday, well then don't. Don't do that. That's between you and the Lord. But what I am offering as a potential fourth way to really love people and to really give them the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ on a night where the devil wants to pull people into sin, perhaps. We have an opportunity to give light on the darkest night of the year, on the darkest night of the year. You know, Paul, he took advantage of an idol dedicated to an unknown God in Athens, Greece, and he began to preach based off of it, and said, this unknown God I make known to you, and he preached the gospel. And that was a spiritual platform to preach from. Perhaps it's not a far stretch to say Halloween could be a similar platform to open our doors, be kind to people, and give them the gospel that's going to save their soul. Now, now remember, there's no room for legalism here. We don't rebuke children as they come to our door, or even teenagers or adults as they come to our door. This is going to demand love. It's going to demand that we have a pure motive, that we understand why we're doing it, and who we're doing this for, and what our end goal is. It's that these people would have a seed planted in their hearts, the seed of the gospel. And, you know, we want to be warm. We want to be friendly. We want to be a solid gospel witness. And perhaps you, like me, have been trying to get close to neighbors for years, this could be an opportunity to befriend them and really to get to know them, really to be able to shake their hands and get their names. Maybe you've never even done that. So these are four different general thoughts about Halloween. What do you think? I would really love to hear what you thought about this, whether you agreed or disagreed, or maybe you have some other options in there I haven't thought about. What do you think? Why don't you shoot me an email, contact at theologyonfire.org, I'd love to hear from you. At a minimum, I really hope that this will help you to think things through, not to simply just do what you've always done based on tradition, but to really pray and think through all of these facts, all these scriptures, all of this, and really come to a firm decision based on the Word of God. Take all this in, listen to godly counsel, and you've got to make a personal choice based on the Bible. And I hope that you'll do that. And I'm trusting that you'll be led by the Spirit and His truth. God bless you. Thank you for joining us at Theology on Fire. Please subscribe so you won't miss new episodes. All of our information and contact details can be found at theologyonfire.org.